Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast. Since we talked to you this morning, the Knicks have given out four contracts worth a total of $183 million. Alex, Nerlens Noel, Derek Rose, Alec Burks all coming back. Evan Fournier joins the fold. How do we feel about it? Well, I'm not going to spoil it, Gavin, before we get into the actual show, but we do have lots of great stuff to talk about. We're going to talk a lot about what these moves mean for the direction of the Knicks going forward. We're going to talk about how we feel about the certain signings and you know what sort of flexibility they give the Knicks. We're going to talk about Evan Fournier a bit and his fit with the Knicks, You know what he offers over Reggie Bullock, and just a whole bunch of other great stuff in general. Uh, it was supposed to be a rapid reaction, but we got pretty in-depth as we tend to. So it's all coming up next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Tuck, tuck left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. High school football season getting here sooner than you think. I'll be on the mic for that. He is Alex Wolf, a far more important title, the editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there. And Alex, I, I, I can imagine you're a busy man right now. You got this podcast. I'm sure you have a million free agency reaction pieces coming in. It was It was a rapid-fire affair. It almost seems as if teams don't respect the moratorium, and they might have been talking before 6 p.m. tonight. I know, crazy, crazy stuff, but the deals came in quick succession. I I jumped on our our locked-on live feed, ready to talk about Nerland's Noel, and was immediately informed, and then was like, oh, what do you think about the Alec Burks contract? And I had to be like, what what Alec Burks contract? Um, And then in the last hour, we got Derek Rose, Evan Fournier signed as well. Rose for three years, $43 million. Fournier for four years, $78 million. So very, very eventful, Alex. But let's start big picture because, I don't know, this this whole thing feels a little misguided to me. And, and maybe I'm off. I, I think it, you, your feeling on it maybe comes down to how tradable you think all these contracts are. But to me, this, this feels like, and, and our, our friend John Schmilk made this point on Twitter, I very much agreed with it. It feels like a Tom Thibodeau-driven plan in that, he never wants to take a step back. He never wants to coach a team that's non-competitive. And the Knicks' unwillingness to do that, I said the same thing on draft night. You just have to make the best move for the long-term future of your franchise. You can't be caught in the mindset, we, we absolutely cannot take a step back next year, when in reality, despite all these moves, it's extremely plausible, I would argue likely, that the Knicks are going to take a step back next year regardless and by making these moves, they've seemingly um, destroyed their flexibility for next summer. Maybe maybe that shifts. Maybe something crazy happens in the next few weeks that, that changes all of that. But as of now, 
not much cap space left for next offseason. And, and seemingly they've locked themselves into the treadmill of mediocrity because this is this is not a team with an extremely high ceiling. They're a team that has a chance to be at least as good as they were last year, but I don't think much better than that, Alex. But let, let me know, did you come out of this with a, a little little bit of a warmer feeling in your heart overall, a little bit more understanding of some of the moves specifically, or, or do you sort of feel, as I do, that at least in a big picture sense, and to be clear, love the Fournier signing, not necessarily opposed to all three of the other ones, but in a big picture sense, this was not necessarily a great night for the Knicks. I mean, I would say for one thing that these moves to me say that the Knicks do not feel confident that they're going to be players in free agency next year, for sure. Um, If anyone was going to know for sure that, you know, he's not going to have, you know, the ear of some of these big stars that are free agents next year, which to be clear, there's not that many um, that are going to be free agents next year. You know, like Levine and Beal is basically it. Like Steph Curry was the pipe dream, but he apparently is getting ready to sign a contract with the Warriors is going to pay him like over $50 million a season, which is obscene. Um, so I don't blame him for not turning that down. Fine. He'll retire there, I guess, and mentor all the mentor Kuminga and, and all the kids there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I guess I don't think I'm quite as down on it as you are. I don't necessarily know that. I think that this, uh, dooms them to mediocrity or anything because i i think it would be kind of downplaying the season they had this year to call it mediocre you know like they did make the four seed even if ultimately it was semi-exposed as maybe being a little fluky by the fact that the hawks like handled them as easily as they did in the first round i think that was kind of more of a testament to just how much better the hawks were than we thought than the knicks being bad necessarily um and they had a great game plan for julius randall um and for Reggie Bullock, who now is no longer Nick and all this other stuff. So, I mean, they knew how the Knicks played basketball, like the Knicks, especially on offense, played a very consistent form of basketball, which good or bad, you know, they did what they did. You know, it was Julius Randle running the offense, kicking it out to shooters and stuff. And, you know, the, the Hawks did a great job of taking that away. But I, I think they had a really good season this past year, you know, not, not even just from like a, Hey, good job guys. You made it to the playoffs, but like, objectively it was it was a great season um so that's why it's kind of it's kind of weird that when i first saw the noel signing my first thought was i got really mad and like i i really was unhappy with it and i'll get more into the specifics of that in a minute but like it just felt really disappointing that that was the first thing that they're like running to Woj to tell him is Hey, we signed Nerlens Noel. Like, we're so excited. This is our big move. And it's like, oh, man, like Kyle Lowry just got signed by the Heat. And this is what you're, you know, this is what you're throwing out there first is that you signed Nerlens Noel. And the Burke signing, I'm all right with, by and large. The the Rose signing is risky. The Fournier signing, I actually really love. And I, I guess maybe in that respect, like, that's the one that we should zero in on as far as, you know, how the Knicks are viewing team building and stuff. I do think that they, they took an honest assessment of their playoff performance this year. And the Fournier signing is kind of a direct response to that because one of the biggest issues was, uh, was the fact that Reggie Bullock was a, was like stranded on the perimeter, not able to dribble out of being guarded by Trey young. Who's like one of the worst defenders in the NBA. And 
that really ground the Knicks offense to a halt so many times during that series. And ultimately it was one of the reasons that they just couldn't get out of the mud against the Hawks. So they now replace Bullock in that starting lineup with a dynamic three-level scorer in Evan Fournier, who granted is not as good on defense, but by and large has been a positive player throughout his career on a mixed bag of good and bad teams. Um, and, you know, has, has generally been a, a really positive impact player pretty much every stop he's made in the NBA and has always, always been just a fantastic scorer. And for the last however many years, other than like his 15 games with Celtics this year, where things were kind of weird, like he had COVID for part of it and, um, you know, never really got to get his, his footing straight with his new team. But other than that, he's pretty much been a consistent 20 point per game scorer for like the last five years or so. Um, so I, I think they did good in that respect. I think that that shows that they are interested in maybe getting better in some ways. Uh, it's also clear that they really value consistency, which I guess is admirable. Um, you know, it seems like they want to sort of run it back with this team and see what they can do with another year together, which I guess in its own way is refreshing. But I, I do think, yeah, they they basically punted on free agency next year. They're saying, we know we're not getting anyone next year. Uh the next year after that, 2023, things should hopefully be a little more open where it shouldn't be that hard to get off any of these deals by 2023 free agency if you really had to to clear up some cap space. Um, they've amassed enough second round picks well enough into the future now that I feel confident they could move off some of these deals pretty easily if they had to, uh, with maybe Roses being the exception there. But I don't know. It, it's just... It, they sort of, it's like they treaded water, but very slightly got better. So while I started off kind of angry at first with the Noel signing, just because I wasn't a huge fan of the amount of money they gave him for what he does on the court. Um, my, I think my general thought now is just that I think that they did a decent job of hopefully making some incremental improvements and now we just got to kind of hope too that like Grimes comes in and can provide some of what Bullock did this past year. And I get the feeling the Knicks probably feel like he can as well, uh, based off the fact that they drafted him and then just days later let Bullock walk and not Burks, who does a different sort of thing than that role. Um, and, you know, hope that, that Deuce McBride has something to offer as a backup or third string point guard. Hope that. Vildoza, who we keep forgetting about, like, honestly, like, Vildoza is basically part of this free agent class. Uh, hope that he comes in and can really offer some good stuff either off the bench or even potentially as a dark horse starter at point guard, you know, if, if they still want Rose to come off the bench where he was so good last year. Um, and hope you get good leaps from quickly Barrett, you know, top and all that stuff. So I, I think they're banking, they're betting pretty heavy on their development staff and stuff, which, you know, more power to them because there's a lot of good development on this team this year. And, I do think the Fournier was a good upgrade over Bullock. So it, it, you know, it's tough for me. I don't, I don't think that this was a failure. I don't, I, I'm not going to call it a resounding success either though. So I guess, I guess my overall feeling right now, Kevin is basically just like, meh. All right, Alex, um, why don't we take a quick break and then I'll, I'll, I'll give my response to all that. But, but can you tell everyone listening uh where they can go get their car fixed because as important as nick's free agency is your, your mode of transportation is probably even more crucial to your happiness 
Yeah, well, I don't know if I can tell them where to get their car fixed, but I can certainly tell them how they can fix it themselves. Because what's more fun than doing things yourself, right? And that's because this episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. And with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, you guys know it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Just drive by one of them. They're tiny. There's no way that they could they could keep all those parts that you need in there for your car and everybody else's car out there. There's like thousands of them. So on top of that, if you go in, they end up asking you tons of probing questions. They, you know, want to know the the all these details about your car that aren't necessary when you already know what part you need and you're just trying to get the part and get out of there. But of course you can't, they got a special order for you. Then you got to drive back to the store and then you get the price, you know, and you're like, dude, this is so much money. It's just, it's, it's crap. It's, it's a lot to deal with. And honestly, you don't have to deal with that anymore. You have computers at home. You have your computer in your pocket, your cell phone. Maybe you got a tablet. There's all kinds of ways you can access rockauto.com. And if you do, you could save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. So they're definitely invested in making sure that you get the parts that you need for the best price and making sure that you come back and buy more from them at another time to you know use them for all of your auto parts needs. So if you want to see what's available for your car or truck, go to rockauto.com right now and check them all out. And if you decide to buy something right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, we're back on Locked On Knicks. I will give my, my much anticipated response to Alex. And and I guess I guess it really comes down to for me, where where was the upside swing in this Knicks offseason? And, and look, with with any of the rookies, like you, you never know anything for sure, right? Rokus could blow up. McBride, I like if he turns into Malcolm Brogdon in four years, will any of us be like shock shock? No, maybe like I feel like that's semi plausible. Um, Quentin Grimes, he's a track record of going from someone who was a real disappointment at Kansas to one of the best players in college basketball. Who who am I to doubt him now? That being said, I just, I don't see where they could have a big hit that takes this team from solid, above average, maybe, maybe mediocre was too harsh, to being truly great. And I don't know who that guy is. Obviously, on the roster, you can say R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel quickly, but that was already true going into this offseason. Maybe if they had drafted a, a Keon Johnson or a Sharif Cooper or a Jalen Johnson or a Pones Highland, players that seemingly like a little bit more risk, a little bit more reward, you can kind of talk yourself into, all right, they're running it back. But then in reserve, they, they bought a bunch of different lottery tickets. And between quickly, between R.J., between one of those rookies, Maybe even if they had signed a, a Spencer Dinwiddie, who is somewhat of a proven entity in the NBA, but at his best was a guy who just three years ago was meriting all-star consideration, at least in terms of age, should be entering his prime right now. And I just, I don't see that with these signings. To me, Nerlens, and I, I know I know you're not, you weren't really pro the Nerlens signing, but to me that means, look, we're, we're, we're going to play rim-protecting centers for 48 minutes a game. That worked by and large, wonderfully for the Knicks in, in, in the NBA. Noel had the, the top um, box plus minus defensively in the entire league. And yet, come playoff time, and granted, Noel wasn't at 100%, but it was it was a disaster against the Atlantic Hawks because teams can change tactics. They can go small. And someone like Noel, who is relatively flexible defensively for a big, he was not going to get played off the floor 
on that end of the on, on that end. But then offensively, he's going to have his issues, and he's someone that you can essentially ignore. And and I really don't love what all this means for Mitchell Robinson. Like, I you, you have to extend R.J. Barrett. You're going to have to save some money for Emmanuel quickly at some point. Obviously, that's a couple of years away. But I I don't know how you how Mitch fits into this unless you think that Noel contract is eminently tradable. But I said it to you before the show, Alex. I don't know one other team in the league that was giving him this kind of money. And I don't know what other team in the league, when he's playing backup center all year, is going to say, yeah, let's, let's, let's take that on. We could use a rim protector. There are contenders that could use him. I don't know if there are contenders that could use him for $10 million plus a season. So I, I just don't see the avenue for any of these guys transforming the Knicks going forward. And isn't that ultimately the goal? That's what we were talking about all year long was how are they going to make that swing for the fences? How are they going to blow up and, and get that star? And if they don't, it's okay to take a step back, get as high of a draft pick as you can next year, and build off of that guy and continue to build a, a war chest because right now the Knicks are drastically lagging behind in that capacity compared to the the Thunder and, and even the Rockets and, and maybe even the Cavs. And, and look, those places are aren't star destinations. Those stars are going to want to go to the Knicks. But with all these guys, as we, we continue to look forward, they're under three, four, five-year contracts. Ultimately, it is up to the teams. A Damian Lillard can say, I want to go to New York. And a Portland can say, too bad, you're going to Oklahoma City if you want to get traded, or you're welcome to stay here. And I think that's ultimately what's going to happen. So, I, and, I, and look, I know to some extent, the star availability is out of the Knicks' control, and it's a very hard thing to bet on. And in some ways, you got to give the Knicks credit, and and this is where I feel hypocritical for being a downer, because for years and years and years, they played the star game and got burned. But I do feel it's a little bit different, because for the first time in 20 years, they've shown organizational competency, and they are still the Knicks. So there is a lot of reason to believe that they're an incredibly appealing market for these guys. And if they can string together consistency, then they'll be able to get them. And I don't really think that Nerlens Noel was essential for maintaining their place in the pecking order in the NBA. He's just not that guy. Same with Burks, honestly, after they got Fournier. Not that they didn't need Burks. They can use as much off-the-dribble juice as possible. But to some extent, don't you want to count on your development program and maybe quickly just takes on a little bit more of that role and you fill in the gaps with the Miles McBrides of the world? I know this is a rant. I've gone in a lot of different directions, so I'll send it back to you, Alex. But my point is I just feel like they're locking something in right now that I, I just don't see I, I don't see a team that could reach the conference finals in the next couple of seasons. And and granted, we want to preach patience. We want to preach the slow rebuild. But this was just a weird in-between effort where you're not you're not necessarily taking your time. You're pushing the accelerator, but you're doing so in a way that you don't ever really get to your destination. Yeah, I totally feel that. And, you know, the reality with slow rebuilds, too, is that slow rebuilds are sort of a myth in a way. Like, I don't know what some people expect when they hear the term slow rebuild, but like the NBA is a fast moving league. Like if, if you go into a rebuild, you have to you have to be, you know, you have to have the idea of being contending hopefully like four years out into it because the reality is just like so when you rebuild you try to get all these players on rookie contracts right and you're trying to hit on at least one of them you know or a couple of them and find a star that then allows you to start building around that star and start trying to take advantage of windows right 
And the Knicks had certain amounts of windows here. They had, you know, actually, the, I mean, they had a fantastic window this year and they potentially had a good window next year to try to make this move to try to get a star that they could sign via free agency. And again, you know, it's not like they could force players to sign with them. So if Kyle Lowry didn't want to sign with them, then tough shit. You know, if Lonzo Ball didn't want to sign with them, they can't make him, you know, even though I'm not a huge Lonzo fan. But, you know, that's just an example of, of like a guy who signed for a pretty decent chunk of change today. And, you know, the, so but what, what I'm getting out the rebuild thing is and I've said this like probably a dozen times on the show before, but rookie contracts have expiration dates. You know, they they don't last forever. These young players aren't young players forever. They eventually turn into veterans and you eventually have to pay them. And, you know, as much as we think of RJ is like, oh, man, he's so promising, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's he's this young player. He's this young stud on the team. Like in two years, you're going to uh, actually not even in two years. I mean, next summer, you're going to have to really start thinking about, OK, how much money are we going to give RJ Barrett? Because in all likelihood, you probably want to sign him to a rookie extension rather than letting him hit restricted free agency. Just as sort of like a goodwill gesture to him, you know, to show how committed you are to him and to what he's done for the team and, and to the progress he showed and whatever. And hopefully he'll take another great step next year to justify, you know, a nice hefty rookie extension. But that means that by the time that these contracts you just signed today are expiring, Julius Randle's going to probably be on another contract. RJ Barrett is probably going to be on uh, coming up on the first year of his rookie extension. You know, there's going to be all these different things going on as far as money's concerned with the team. You're going to be paying quickly the year after that. You know, there's just so many moving parts that are going to be happening between now and three years from now, which is effectively what the, the Knicks committed to with these deals that, you know, there's there's just how long do you, you know, do you keep this window open, so to speak, to try to get this star eventually? and you know, I understand that you could just keep drafting players and, you know, hey, let's say Grimes proves himself to be a really good NBA player this year. And, you know, like, let's say to the level of uh, of quickly almost, you know, like, like, hey, this guy is definitely an NBA player with maybe the potential for more. OK, cool. And maybe like McBride proves to be like, I don't know, I'm trying to think what level of player like uh, like <laughs> the Knicks, the Knicks has been like either big hit or big miss, I feel like lately, but let's say that he's like an OB type player deuce, you know, where he's like, by the end of the year, you're saying, yeah, yeah. All right. Yes. He's, he's, he's definitely an NBA player. He's definitely a role player. I can see a world where maybe he becomes like a super role player or, you know, even like a borderline starter, like a high level bench player. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you've got all these guys on the roster and yeah, you could trade them for a star, but like your financial flexibility is not fantastic now. Like, instead of signing kind of younger, more tradable players, you signed like Nerlens Noel, who yes, actually isn't that old, but plays at a position that's not super desirable in the NBA. So he's essentially just going to be salary filler in any potential deal. Derek Rose just signed for 14 million a year for three seasons. I mean, he is in his uh, technically early thirties. So, you know, in theory, he's, you know, he's four years younger than like Kyle Lowry, who just signed for quite a bit more money than him. But Derek Rose also has maybe the most ticking time bomb appendage in the NBA, which is his knees, where you just say, I know he's got a routine figured out and his his stretching routine and all that stuff and seems to have everything kind of down to a science. But, 
you know, I, I don't think too many teams are going to be lining up to bring him in for a $14 million contract until maybe he hits his last year. And at, at which point you could kind of just say, okay, well, as long as he's still producing that year, some team might be willing to like trade for him at the deadline for a spark, kind of like what the Knicks did this year, um, just through the end of the season. And then, you know, not have to worry about paying him after that. And, you know, that it also like the Burks contract, Burks contract, I'll say is one that I feel like could be traded, but I don't necessarily know that it's an attractive piece to a team that would be looking to trade a star, right? Because Burks is an attractive piece to potentially trade to a contender, you know? So, but maybe there's a, there's a case where you could say, okay, well, if the Knicks get in on a star, they could trade Burks to a contender to get a pick to reroute to the team with the star. So Burks, I think is a solid contract in that respect. Fournier, Kind of the same deal as Burks. I don't necessarily know that he's a guy that a team with a star would be like, oh, yeah, give me Fournier. Like, that's the headline of our package because they mostly want guys that are younger, not like in their prime, good scores, whatever. But you could potentially use Fournier to reroute for assets to get said player. But I don't know. It's it. It's just, a, yeah, It I, I'm totally with you in in that they didn't really take any upside swings. They didn't sign anybody in that sort of Lonzo mold. Or, you know, for example, like uh, Devontae Graham, that it just it just dropped like literally as we're recording this, that um, the Pelicans are getting him. And, you know, so that's a type of player that he's still young. He still presumably has room to improve. So you could set even if he's never going to hit that ceiling, you can sell some team like the Blazers on. Oh, we'll shoot you Devontae Graham, who's still young, you know, still only has a few years in the league to this point you know, is a, is a good score or whatever. Like you could definitely sell this to your fan base along with like quickly and, you know, top in and some draft picks as like a really good haul. And, you know, he's signed to a high enough contract number that you can, you know, now uh, use that as like big time salary filler to get you up to that level of that superstar. And, and I don't know if the Knicks really signed anybody like that, that's going to help them in that capacity. And, and that's definitely, Concerning to a degree for their their ability to get better going forward. Um, one might say it's uh, the betting odds, Gavin, for the Knicks to <laughs> trade for a star have maybe gone down a little bit for the near term uh, based off today, which, of course, brings us to our second sponsor for this episode, if you wanted to inform the people. Yeah, let's let's get into it. It's it's a big one. As always, it's our guys bet online. Dot a G bet online. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at bet online. Get all the latest news, odds and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC slash MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news. Sign-up bonuses and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use our promo code Locked On. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, we're back. Third and final segment on Locked on Knicks. Alex, I wanted to take a quick pivot off, off the big picture conversation and talk about what the situation is for the Knicks going forward because there's an interesting wrinkle in the reporting of this Derrick Rose contract that could significantly change how much cap room the Knicks have left. 
Yeah, and this was uh, our good buddy Jeremy Cohen on Twitter at the coincidence uh, with C O H E N incidents. If you're not following him already, somehow go for that. Uh, he noted this, and and this is something that I was thinking about too. And I think Mike Vorkanov of the Athletic had noted as well. The reported number for Derrick Rose is three years, forty-three million dollars. It's possible that there's a little bit of rounding up going on there, and it, the Knicks might possibly have more cap space left than we thought. Uh, which, as you just noted, Gavin could kind of change the calculus on how we view this this free agent class if they're able to like sign one more free agent. Because I actually do think you know if they're able to sign one more free agent plus use the room except so essentially sign two more somewhat decent free agents out of this whole thing i i think that might actually change my view of this class a little bit rather than it just being like oh they spent all this money to effectively run it back and swap fournier for for reggie bullock but jeremy noted that if the knicks signed derrick rose to the number that was reported which is three years 43 million dollars then that makes it so that they're done with their cap space and uh, they can only use their $4.9 million room exception. But if New York signs Derek Rose to three years, $42.3 million, which to be clear is just uh, $700,000. <laughs> I love basketball, just $700,000 less. Um, if they sign him to that number, that means they can use Derek Rose's cap hold to, increase their amount of cap space for now and then use his early bird rights to make that offer to him and sign him to that, which if people aren't familiar, I, I'm not going to give the full crash course right now, but there are these things called uh, bird rights, early bird rights and non bird rights in the NBA uh, named after Larry bird. They're meant to help teams retain their players, even when they're over the cap. And essentially it allows you to go over the cap to sign a player back to your team that has been on your team for a little while. Non-bird rights come in after just one year. They allow you to sign uh, a player to a one, uh, a deal that's worth 105% more than what they're or, uh, worth 105% of their previous year's salary. So 5% more, not a huge uptick there. Uh, so that, that does get used sometimes, but isn't, isn't often a, a big thing, but early bird rights and bird rights allow you to, have a cap hold on your cap sheet. Um, so even if you're like the Knicks and you were under the cap to start with, Derek Rose's cap hold is lower than the contract that he just got signed to. And so Derek Rose, uh, you know, can be held at that cap hold number until the Knicks use up all their cap space. And then they can go over the cap to re-sign him, uh, which is what would potentially happen here. They have, they have early bird rights on him uh, from that transferred over from the Pistons. And so uh, effectively, if they sign him to three years, $42.3 million instead of $43 million, that small, small discrepancy there in the grand scheme of things, they could potentially open up another $7 million in cap space, which would be good for the Knicks. So then, you know, Jeremy wrote out the, uh, the order of events here that could potentially play out, which would be they could sign someone else for around $7 million, then re-sign Derrick Rose for three years and, you know, $42.3 million roughly. And then they could still use that five, roughly $5 million room exception as well on top of that, which can be either used in one chunk or split up among a couple players to give them like slightly more than a veteran's minimum kind of thing. So 
Gavin, I don't know how. I, I, maybe you you said right before we did this segment that that you're not super cap savvy. So I hope hopefully I explain that in a way that makes sense and it, you can give me live feedback on that. But then also like, let's say that the Knicks do go sign like one other free agent for around seven million dollars. That's like maybe even like one of those guys we we're kind of just talking about, like a younger sort of not necessarily a flyer, but a guy with some latent upside. Um, for that like seven million dollar mark, how would, you, would that kind of change your view on the the off season as a whole so far? Yeah, Alex, I'm I'm sitting here drooling on myself with the dunce cap on, but no, no, I get it, I get it. Um, you did you did a great job. Yeah, I'm I'm just looking at who's still available. If they could, I just don't think I don't think seven million is enough. If they could somehow get Reggie Jackson, that would really change my opinion of this. I honestly, the contract they offered Rose, I maybe this is a hot take, but I, I would have been slightly happier if they had offered Jackson probably and, or, or Spencer Dinwiddie, I, though I, I already, I already noted that. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's a good point. And I think I'll, I'll end on this a, a little, a little point of optimism for me. And, and that's that Evan Fournier is, is a big help. And, and again, he doesn't totally solve the Knicks problem in terms of lack of on ball creation and, and lack of guys who can get two feet in the paint but he puts a dent in it, right? It's it's a hell of a lot better than what they had in, in Reggie Bullock last year. A uh, really good stat I, I saw on Twitter. I believe the, the handle was at StatCenter. Um, Evan Fournier last season, this is also per cleaning the glass, had a 62% true shooting and a 17% assist rate over his final two seasons. So not la- just last season's final two seasons in Orlando. Both marks are right around the 85th percentile amongst all Wings. So he's a guy who we, we, we broke it down this morning, so I won't go into it again, but is an absolutely excellent shooter, despite the fact that he was often the focal point of defenses in Orlando to that point in 16 games with the Boston Celtics, he shot nearly 47% from three. So someone w- when given a little bit of help, which he will have next year with RJ Barrett, Derek Rose and Julius Randle um, looks to be really, really good, has some passing chops. And, and despite a relative lack of playoff success, I, I noted it this morning, I'll note it again. I really pin a lot of that on the fact that if you're a top-notch NBA defense, which is generally, you look at who Orlando has played in, in the first round the last couple of years, it's been Milwaukee twice, it's been Toronto, I think, two times before that. Um, those are those are teams, if, if they're going to stick like Giannis or OG Ananobi or Pascal Siakam or Kawhi Leonard on Evan Fournier, of course he's going to struggle because he, as good as he is, he's not built for that. If your third best defender is guarding Evan Fournier, like he'll see on a night-to-night base in New York, he can be really, really good. And we saw some of that with the French national team when they beat Team USA. You don't want to read too much into those international tournaments. Um, it, It feels like foreign players consistently are better in those settings than they are in the NBA for, for a myriad of reasons. And yet, I have a lot of confidence that Fournier will not falter under the spotlight. I really do think it's a Bogdan Bogdanovich S signing. I don't think he's quite as good of a player just because Bogey is such a good passer. But Fournier is solid in that capacity. You're getting him right through his prime. His game isn't really built around athleticism, so I don't really mind that that last season is in the 32-38 range. And the fact that it's a four-year deal, you're looking at at least the last year of that deal will be under the auspices, that's a good word, of the NBA's new TV contract, which they're looking to to be somewhere in the range of $75 billion. So all of a sudden that 
And that final year number, even if Fournier regresses a little bit of, as a player, is looking pretty good. And, and just you, you look at the Knicks starting lineup going to next season. Presumably, Derrick Rose, Evan Fournier, R.J. Baird, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. That's pretty darn good. That, that is very exciting. That is the most, uh, it's the most exciting starting lineup that the Knicks have had since 12-13. Second most exciting starting lineup the Knicks have had in the last 20 seasons. So that, that's pretty good. Would I rather it be Spencer Dinwiddie at that point guard spot? Maybe a Reggie Jackson against someone with, I, I know Reggie Jackson is sneakily only two years younger than Derrick Rose, but someone with just a little bit more ceiling with a little bit more juice. I'm just, I, I, I know I said I was going to end optimistically, but I, I'm just, man, I'm, I'm worried about that Rose deal. Last season was a career run for him on this Knicks team post-ACL. Can he replicate that for one more season? Can he replicate that for three more years? I, I, I feel, I have an icky feeling in my stomach about it, Alex, but, but make no mistake, the Fournier signing was a really, really good one. I don't want that to get lost in my overall pessimism. So I'm going to throw... I'm going to let me okay let me throw these names at you and give me like I don't know like a like a one phrase reaction because I just pull it I just pull up three guys that I think if the Knicks get seven million dollars more of space they might realistically be able to make a run at all right you ready yeah go for it Josh Hart he would be a useful rotation piece yeah I think I would like him quite a bit and I I think you could so I think a seven million dollar deal the the Pels did give him a qualifying offer, but I bet you with how David Griffin is, if you would just be like, oh, well, you know, if, if you kind of like slip two second round picks into his palm, he would let that deal go and he would call it a sign and trade or whatever, you know, and, and send Josh Hart over to the Knicks. All right. Malik Monk. I would be ecstatic if they could get Malik Monk. I, I am I am such a big Malik Monk fan. I, I know you, you agreed with me. I was a massive, massive advocate for the Knicks to draft him in 2017. Last year was the first time, I know I'm giving you more than a phrase here, but last time was the first time he really made good on that promise. Um, I would be, I it would be a very crowded guard rotation with, with McBride in there too, but I, I think he gives you, so I, even though he's not a great off the dribble guy, he gives you some of that juice, sneaky good defender, really, really good spot up shooter. And a legitimately awesome finisher around the basket. So I, I would be – Malik Monk is is weirdly one of my favorite players in the NBA. So I'd be thrilled. And that extremely tradable piece for a potential star down the line too. Uh, last one I'll throw out. And this guy I think is really interesting because I think he could unlock some some cool things for the Knicks. Although I, I don't know if the team that he's coming from would be willing to just take a uh, a quick couple second round picks to let him go for $7 million. But Bruce Brown. Yeah, I, yeah, no, I'd be another guy. I'd be absolutely thrilled with who, who really I think gives you if Quentin Grimes, you everyone everyone says. I mean, they drafted him because he's ready. Not a lot of rookies are ready to be positive guys in the NBA. I think Bruce Brown fills in fills in the defensive gaps you're losing with Reggie Bullock on and, and like a three man wing rotation or four of Burks, R.J. Fournier, and, and Bruce Brown would be outstanding and, and would. And- just, I think you'd really maintain what made the Knicks good last year, which is just that they were solid all around. They didn't really play a lot of flat-out liabilities on either end. Yeah, really good rebounder and stuff, too, and a, and a good strong body that could maybe finally sort of unlock small ball for the Knicks. Like, he played, like, the, it was almost treated like a joke, but, like, you know, the Nets called him, or he called himself or whatever, like, a center last year at different times for the for the Nets just based off the lineups they were playing him in and stuff, and, like, I think that's a stretch, but he's definitely a really good rebounder and and 
you know, a, a versatile defender that could potentially let you play small. Like if you played him out there with, say, like Obi and Randall for stretches or something, uh, I think that's a player that could help maybe make that work. So, yeah, all that is to say, I mean, maybe maybe we shouldn't close the book on this just yet. But as of right now, you know, I. I, I'm st- I still stand by. I think this this class so far has been mostly meh. Although I really love the Fournier signing, and I think he's going to bring a, a different level to the Knicks' offense next year. Uh, but Gavin, I think that's more for tomorrow and the days to come because there's yeah, going to be plenty of more time to talk about this stuff. We should note really quickly we got we got a very special guest on tomorrow. Um, I I'll, I'll just spoil it because you guys you guys are going to listen in. <laughs> A little, a little under, uh, I guess, 12, 12 hours, depending if, if we, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking we're going to put this up tonight. Uh, yeah, we got, we got the great, the legend, someone I've, I've never talked to before, but always really wanted to, uh, Jackson Frank coming on, who writes for a bunch of different places, including Dime and Basketball News. Um, really, really one of the smartest guys out there covering the NBA. So it will be cool to uh, to share all these thoughts with him and and let's and get his opinion on them. But Alex, with that, we are going to wrap this up. Free agency rapid reaction that inevitably ran forty five minutes, but it was a good forty five minutes. And um, I know I sounded pessimistic in this podcast, but you know what? I am I'm I'm excited to see how this all comes together. I'm I'm still excited about the next future. I I just hope there's there's a bigger plan in mind. And and with that, we'll call it peace out. And stay tuned for more Locked on Knicks tomorrow.